Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Gideon's fleece before the Lord as we pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 36. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And Gideon said unto God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Now again, Gideon is still questioning this call of God, wants to make sure. He said, Tell you what, I'm going to put a fleece of wool out in the ground tonight, and in the morning, let the ground be dry and the fleece wet. Then I'll know. In the morning when Gideon woke up, he wrung a cup of water out of the fleece and the ground was dry. And he thought, well, maybe that was just a, you know, who knows? Maybe fleece gathers moisture at night when when the ground doesn't. Lord, let's reverse the process just to make sure. Tonight, I'm going to put the same fleece out there on the ground. Let the ground be all wet with dew. Let the fleece be dry. So in the morning, he came out again, and so the ground was all wet with dew. The fleece was dry, and so he he figured that it was the Lord. Now, because of this, there are many people who seek to discern the voice of God by offering some kind of a fleece before the Lord. And so you've heard of a, peop- of a person offering a fleece before God. Lord, if they call by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, then I'll know, you know. And, and you set up some kind of a fleece before God, some kind of a condition for God to meet so that you'll know that it's really God speaking to your heart. I really don't know about fleeces today. I don't know how valid they are for us as as the children of the Lord to seek to ascertain the will of God by a fleece. In the period of the Old Testament, there were many methods by which they sought to ascertain the will of God. One of them was by casting of lots and even carried over into the New Testament When Judas Iscariot died, Peter said to the disciples, we've got to get someone else to take his place. And so let's cast lots to see which one God has chosen, whether it be Barsabbas or or Matthias. And so the, the disciples cast lots to ascertain the will of God. But all of this was prior to the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church. After the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church, we do not read of anywhere where they cast lots or where they used fleeces to ascertain the will of God. But it seemed that once the Holy Spirit had begun to direct the activities of the church, there was a greater certainty in the ascertaining of the will of God just by the direct leading of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. 
We were determined to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit forbade us. The Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to do. And the Holy Spirit was directing in such a positive way, there seemed to be no need of setting out a condition for God to fulfill for them to ascertain, or there was no need of casting lots or trying to uh, discern the will of God in some type of an ambiguous way. Paul, after 14 days on that ship driven in the storm on the Mediterranean, stood up and said, men and brethren, be of good cheer. Last night, an angel of the Lord stood by me, and he told me that though the ship was going to be wrecked, there would be no loss of life. And, and the, the angel of the Lord directed Paul. It wasn't a fleece kind of a thing. It wasn't a a uh, lot, but so I don't know about fleeces today. I know that some people set out, you know, conditions for God to fill, and that I, I suppose is all right. I, but I just don't know about them. I, I personally don't try to fleece God, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just not certain about that practice. Though it was done in the Old Testament, I'm not really certain about it today. But each person, I guess, to his own, whatever method that you have devised to really discern, what I, the way I feel, if it works, great. You know, whatever you've got, as long as it works, that's tremendous. I, um, and, and people, we all relate to God in our own individual styles. God doesn't really, you know, Follow patterns. You can't really set God into a pattern. And I sort of like it that you can't. I like the diversities with which God deals with people's lives because we are so diverse from each other. And so Gideon used this fleece to ascertain the will of God. I don't know if you would set out a piece of wool tonight. I, I would in the morning would think that the wool and the ground would all be wet. <laughs> then what do you do? <laughs> you pray. So in chapter 7, when Jerobel, or Jerebabel, get the other B in there, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early, and they pitched beside the well of Herod. Now, the well of Herod is still there today. It is at the base of Mount Gilboa, or in the range of Gilboa. Actually, Gilead is all a part of that range. And uh, there at the base is this beautiful little spring with the water that comes flowing forth. There's a kibbutz there now. And the people at the kibbutz have made a neat, big swimming pool, huge pool. And this spring now feeds the pool. And... Uh, but there is this little stream by there, and you can still go down and lap up the water like a dog, if you like, and uh, be chosen for Gideon's army. <laughs> and so the hosts of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah in the valley. So out from Mount Gilboa area, there is this valley there, 
And uh, the other side of the valley, this uh, little hill of Mora, it isn't really a mountain, but a hillside, and encamped in that valley was this huge host of the Midianites. The Lord said unto Gideon, Gideon, you've got too many people for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Now at this point, there were 132,000 Midianites and there were about 135,000 Midianites, 32,000 who had gathered together with Gideon. God said, you've got too many people. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, the thing that God was concerned in is that people would glory in the work of God and take glory to themselves for the work of God. God wants to work. But when God works, he wants the glory for the work that he has done. He doesn't want people praising the instrument. He wants people praising him. And if God would deliver the Midianites into the hands of Gideon's army with 32,000 men, they would go around taking glory for the victory instead of giving glory to the Lord. Now, it was interesting when we were in Israel prior to 1973. The Israelis were extremely proud of the 1967 war. They were very proud of their victory over the Syrians and the Egyptians and the Jordanians. Everywhere you went, you would hear the Israelis boasting of their tremendous fighting power. And we would oftentimes say, well, don't you think that God was with you? And they would smirk. And they would tell of the fighting power of the Israeli soldier. And they were really glorying themselves in that victory. In the Yom Kippur War, there came a different attitude. They came within a hair's breadth of being defeated in 1973 in the Yom Kippur War. They were close to defeat. They were very smug. They felt that that Barlev line down the Suez Canal could not be taken. It fell within 24 hours. They thought that their Fortifications on the Golan Heights were impenetrable. They were crossed within the first 24 hours. And Israel was at the brink of defeat in the Yom Kippur War. And it was only a series of miracles that the nation was spared. And so after the Yom Kippur War, there wasn't so much talk anymore about the Israeli army and its powers and so forth, but there was more talk about God after the Yom Kippur War. Now, after the next war, when they wipe out Russia, there's only going to be talk of God <laughs> because they'll know that that's the only way it could have happened. God oftentimes makes things so ludicrous that it's very obvious that only God could have done it. And so God declares at the time of the Russian army defeated, 
He said, and I will be sanctified before the nations of the world and they will know that I am the God of Israel. So God often in the history of Israel made the odds totally ludicrous because these are a proud people. And if God would deliver the Midianites into the hand of Gideon with 32,000, they would go around bragging on their tremendous fighting ability. We were outnumbered five to one, but man, we whipped them. So God said, Gideon, you got too many. If I deliver the Midianites into the hands, they're going to vaunt themselves. They're going to be puffed up and proud of what they have done. And they'll say, we with our own power, our own hand, have saved ourselves. So go out and proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And so of the 32,000 who came to fight with Gideon, 22,000 were afraid to fight. <laughs> so they went home. Now, there was a reason why God wanted to get rid of the fearful. It's not good to have men who are really frightened in the battle lines with you, for they're apt to panic in the time of crisis and to flee and leave that flank exposed. So God first got rid of the fearful. Looking now over the 10,000, the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, Gideon. They're still apt to boast in themselves. Odds of 13 to 1, too many, Gideon. You got to get rid of some more. I don't want Israel glorying in this. I want the glory for this. So take them down to the water, the water that comes out of the well of Herod there, and let them get a drink. And you watch them as they are drinking. And those that get down and put their face in the water, send them home. But those that pick the water up in their hand and lap it out of their hand like a dog, with these men will I deliver the Midianites into your hands. So Gideon took them down to the little stream that flows out from the well of Herod, watched the men as they drank their water, and 300 men picked it up in their hands and lapped it as a dog. 9,700 got down on all fours and put their face in the water and were sent home. <laughs> and God said, now with these 300 will I deliver the Midianites into your hand. And so the Lord said to Gideon, if you're afraid to go down, then take your servant and you slip down tonight to the host of the Midianites and you just listen. So Gideon had fear about this whole thing and who wouldn't at this point? You've got 300 men and that huge army out there. And so Gideon with his servant, the, the army was like grasshoppers for multitude, camels without number, and so Gideon came close to the camp at night, and outside of a tent he was listening with his servant, and there was a man inside who was telling his dream. He said, I had a weird dream. There was a cake of barley bread. It tumbled into the host of Midian, and it came unto a tent, and it smote it that it fell and overthrew it, and the tent lay along. 
And a fellow who could interpret dreams answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all of the host. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation that he worshiped. And he returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Now Gideon, first of all, was testing to make sure it's the angel. Let me bring out an offering. And he saw the miracle there. Then he put out the fleece, and now here's the final thing. He slips down, and and God confirms it once more. And so uh, there are actually three confirmations to the call of God to Gideon. And so he divided the 300 men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers, lamps within the pitchers. He said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. When we come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, ye shall do. When I blow the trumpet... I and all that are with me, then blow ye your trumpets also on every side of the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men that were with him came to the outside of the camp beginning in the middle watch about midnight. They had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets. They broke the pitchers that were in their hands and the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, held the lamps in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands to blow And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all of the host ran and cried and fled. Now Gideon's men just stood there, blowing their trumpets and holding up the pitchers. And the Midianites became so startled and so discomfited, they began swinging their swords at each other in the darkness and in the confusion. They began to wipe each other out, and they began to run while Gideon and his men were just standing there blowing their trumpets. God has interesting ways of turning the enemy on his heel. And so the 300 blew the trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts, and the hosts fled. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and Asher and out of Manasseh, and they pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all of Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters to Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters to Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon a rock, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb. And they pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Judges on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Judges 6-7 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. 
And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Important things to remember from tonight's lesson. Number one, God has a work to do. He's calling for your help. Non-involvement in the work of God will bring a curse upon your life. When God does his work, he wants it done in such a way as he receives the glory from it. God doesn't want you front stage taking bows for his performance as people are so often prone to do. Taking credit for what God has done. Taking glory for what God has wrought. God does not want to share his glory. He wants the glory for the work that he has accomplished. And that is why he goes to such ridiculous measures. That's why he uses such ridiculous instruments so that the instrument isn't prone to glory in himself, but can only glory in God who has done his work. God uses unlikely people and weird situations to accomplish his work in order that men will glory in God rather than in the genius, the brilliance, or whatever of men as we are so prone to do. Learn the lesson of serving the Lord. Don't turn from him to other gods. For as long as he sought the Lord, the scriptures said concerning Asa, God made his way to prosper. As long as you seek the Lord, God will be with you and bless you. But if you forsake the Lord, then he will forsake you. You'll go into captivity. You'll be oppressed by the enemy. Many of our problems are brought on by ourselves. We have been guilty of forsaking God. And it only invites trouble. Walk with the Lord, and he will walk with you. And may you walk with him this week. And may you experience his power, his presence, and his spirit as he works in your life and as he works through your life, his works in this needy world. May God make you an instrument of his love that through you others might experience God's love for them as you show God's love to them. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. This Christmas, why not give the gift of God's Word by choosing the Word for Today Bible, featuring Chuck Smith's notes highlighting a simple understanding of the Scriptures. This Bible includes an exhaustive concordance, cross-references, in-text and color maps, words of Christ in red, and Chuck Smith's commentary notes, including Hebrew and Greek word origins. And... 
In the Word for Today Bible softcover edition, we've included Chuck Smith's book, How Can a Man Be Born Again, which is very informative for a new believer. It's our prayer that as your loved ones read the Word for Today Bible, Chuck's commentaries will give a simple understanding into the scriptures, causing God's Word to come to life in their heart, not only drawing them into a closer relationship with the Lord, but stirring them to passionately serve God. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org to read a preview.